Okay, we are back. Oh, we got a little bit disconnected, but um, did you hear, what was the last part that you heard? We were talking about forest bathing and ionizing in Japan. Yes, and um, the forest bathing helps us to ground and as a result um, provides relief from stress, inflammation, and uh, so much of of disease these days has the root of stress and inflammation. So um, everything, I don't know, it's all connected and we can literally heal ourselves by spending time in the forest. It's true. And I love that it has these names now, like even like earthing. Yeah. And it's like, it's really just walking around barefoot. And I know both of us do that. I mean, I'm, I'm barefoot in my practice all day. We're both on campus at Pacifica barefoot everywhere. All the time. Yep. <laughs> I can't wear normal shoes. It's really difficult for me. Yeah. So, I, I, but we have to like name it, which maybe that's okay. We, we're naming it. But at the same time, it's like people have done this forever. Like, exactly. we don't need to confine ourselves just like we don't need to confine like ourselves away from nature and keep nature out. We don't need to confine our feet from it either. Like creating those boundaries between us and the earth. Yes, absolutely. And it's a futile like aspiration as well, because as Hillman's constantly talks about in his writings that we are nature. Yes. Any attempt that we have to try and disconnect ourselves from nature it's it's a joke it's a myth it is and even if we're in some sterile environment like everything there is still alive like you could be locked away in a sterile environment and still be nature and within nature and I think that that's a big part of our disconnect and like just like you were saying, like we're stressed, we're inflamed. As a chiropractor, I look at it as we are subluxated, which is a misalignment in the nervous system. It has stress and pressure on it. And so if our, you know, our nervous system isn't connected, we're not connected. And then how can we be connected to other? And so we do that by putting on shoes, by creating these artificial boundaries that disconnect us. So everyone should walk around barefoot. That's true. <laughs> Get those negative ions. You can call it what you want. You can ground down. You can go earthing. You can forest bathe. Just be out there. Yeah. Get dirty. Get eat, some, eat some dirt. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly. Or have a husky barking in your face right now like I do. <laughs> oh. Hold up. On command, Bodhi. <laughs> <laughs> Dogs will teach you how to connect with nature. <laughs> it's true. They'll demand it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what else were you thinking today about trees? What, intri- what intrigues you? Trees you. <laughs> I, I also made a note about the giving tree. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're very in sync. Um, but I... I want to kind of circle back to that a little sure. bit because yeah. I think the the giving tree is such a poignant story for what's happening with our natural resources right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not just you know a cute little 
a children's story. This is very real and it has so many layers to how it can be applied um, with the objectification of, of other humans um, to our objectification and material commodification of our mother earth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, it reminds me of things we've talked about with Hillman, not you know, saying we're homo static hens rather than homo sapiens and we're yeah. human animals, not human beings, because we, we don't need to be putting ourselves on top of this hierarchy on this pedestal and thinking that we're above and beyond everything else that we call nature. Yes, it's so true. It's so true. There's this push in Oregon right now to be making these uh, structures to, they're trying to get their timber industry going again. And they're like, well, this is better. This is as strong as steel, but it's made out of pressing wood together from like old growth forest. And they, even on NPR, they made it seem like this really great thing. Like, and so it's like, how is this environmentally friendly? And it certainly it, doesn't sound like it. It's not. So it's like, we need to be recycling. And it goes back to that simple triangle of reduce, reuse, recycle. Yes. Such a simple premise, but instead we're, oh, let's stimulate the economy through our timber industry again. We've lost 60,000 jobs, and it's like there has to be other ways that are sustainably oriented to do that. Right, like investing in solar or there's so many other green green energy sources. Yeah, and green building. Yeah, oh, my gosh, I saw these incredible um earth ships are you familiar with yes that? yeah we saw one and there's one in Todos santos oh wow yeah i've seen them in person but i saw it um on the internet mm-hmm. and it was just one of the most beautiful whimsical gorgeous structures and it's completely off the grid mm-hmm. and it's 100 percent made out of um recycled material they the article was actually referring to it as these houses are made of trash (laughs) (laughs) but they're so beautiful that's so awesome there's so many options and you know instead right now we have um all this trash and microplastic and particles in the ocean and there's so much we can do like um, they're they're pressing that and making it um, into the bottom surface of like a road before they put concrete or asphalt over it. So there's like ways to use that microplastic and different, yeah. you know, not that we, at least it's being reused in some other way. And there's so many options. Like when I studied organic agriculture in Brazil, it was permaculture, polyculture, and they're growing in layers and recreating a forest. Yeah. So your pineapples are on bottom and your Brazil nut trees are on top and they take 40 years for maturation. And so it's like, if you can grow vertically and grow in layers and create an ecosystem, you're like giving back to the forest and allowing biodiversity to come back as well. Mm. That's so brilliant. It's really amazing, but we're it's it's like we're we're afraid of that, and we we like this monoculture, monocropping, monochromatic world when there's so much vibrancy and life force out there that we could tap into and employ rather than exploit. Right, right. It's so true. And what you're describing, the layers, layered agriculture. That's how 
these plants originally naturally grow. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's nature's brilliance mm-hmm. in, in knowing how it best, it best grows. And we're just like, no, that's not convenient for us. <laughs> and, and that harkens back to a vitalistic philosophy that was in place before mechanistic philosophy took over our healthcare system during the Industrial Revolution. And then when we look at from a vitalistic lens, which is, you know, where somatics came from as well, is that the body is self-organizing and we can look at the world as the body. It's self-organizing, self-limiting, self-regulating, self-healing. And so fire's not always bad. We have native fire regimes like I was talking about earlier. And that's that's a great thing. It needs to do that. And the earth knows what to do. So who are we to always build in the wake of that? Right. Or try and force it to happen. Mm-hmm. And force it not to happen. And here in Santa Barbara, I mean, that was a devastating fire. And so I'm not saying anything against that. It's just we do need to honor the wisdom of the earth and the Anima Mundi that the earth knows what she's doing. And so fire is not always bad. These things happen for a reason. And the earth will find homeostasis. It's balance. Yes. Yes. And one of the things that I really love about um, studying this work in this day and age is that science is starting to back up what our theories have been, what Omen has, has preached for mm-hmm. decades, years, you know, since the native hunter and gatherers, um, that trees speak to each other, plants feel pain. Like we, we try and make them just objects and not, um, recognize that they are their own beings but science is proving that trees talk to each other and trees can also be very cliquish which i find hysterical (laughs) this is amazing (laughs) i know i'm so not into that ponderosa pine over there yes apparently (laughs) maples and pines don't talk to each other (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so <laughs> so funny. Right? But then the trees have their families, and it used to be like, oh, you're kind of a crazy person when you go out with uh, participation mystique. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is sentient, it has intrinsic worth. And that's like, no, like they're sending each other nutrients as like a tree's dino sends its nutrients through its root system to its family trees yeah. and communicate, and they, keep, they store the wisdom. Yes, the grandmother, like the matriarchal tree will share its wisdom, the nutrients with the little saplings as they are just starting to to root and grow. It's amazing. And then we go through and we're like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna replant this. I'm gonna plant straight lines. <laughs> what is that? Johnny Appleseed style. <laughs> you know, I, I used to go to camp in the summer in Michigan and the, uh, the prayer, I still love it. And it goes, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need, the sun and the rain and the apple seed. The Lord's been good to me, Johnny Appleseed. Amen. <laughs> That's so fascinating. <laughs> Did you know that apple, or apples, apples are not native to North America? Yeah. And you couldn't even eat them. Right. They had to work really hard on that. And so you can grow different, like five, six different types of apples on one tree I when you, you splice it correctly. We had one outside the environmental studies uh, building at the University of Montana that had like four or five different types of apples on it. 
what yeah really cool I went to a entire like workshop when I was like 21 on apples <laughs> it was amazing <laughs> well because there's a huge industry about it I was hearing um on I think it was on NPR a few months ago that um in uh Japan red apples are like a very auspicious gift to give mm. um because red and feng shui and and vitality but um red delicious apples taste like shit so <laughs> there's this huge uh like industry trying to find the most beautiful bright red good tasting apple to mm-hmm. meet this demand which is just like mind-blowing to me i had no idea well and that's why we're seeing all these new types of apples like when we were growing up they weren't pink lady and fuji and right. and Braeburn, it was like Granny Smith, which I never liked to eat unless my grandma was making a pie. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And then it's just too much for me. I don't know. But it was like three types of apples. And now we have so many. Right. And right. so it's that splicing technology. And the first house we built in Michigan was in this creek bed. And my parents cleared the land. There was tractors and things left over from the 1800s. And there was this apple tree. That you couldn't eat the apples, but we had this yellow lab who would go there and eat these disgusting apples off the tree. <laughs> and they were just like a different shape. Like, And I, I really appreciate that because it's not perfect. It's not some genetically modified, perfect shaped apple. It was all like deformed. And here at the farmer's market, it's called like seconds and they're cheaper. And so like, it's, it's just like how we devalue people in our society that aren't quote-unquote perfect or have imperfections the same thing with nature and with fruit and with vegetables we label them and they're less valuable and i find that comical because everything is imperfect like if we're talking from an archetypal hilmanian perspective like the perfect archetype does not exist on this plane of existence mm-hmm so, yeah. And so they often show up in pairs and often it's the tension of opposites within the archetypal structures to like show us like you need to like come together and find some balance. Right. And not be so rigid and one-sided in how you're looking and appreciating things. Absolutely. I think that's where Hillman pulls from Jung quite a bit in that, in that transcendent function aspect. Mm-hmm. Tension of opposites, holding it. I'm usually not holding it. I'm like fighting it. And it's like a tug of war within my own psyche of like, which way do I go? Yeah. Well, it's, we are the, if I can use a tree metaphor, we are the trunk holding the tension between the earth and the sky. It's true. Reaching in each direction for what we think we need because there's nutrients and life force coming from both sides. So true. Love it. Did you have anything else that was pressing for trees today? Just gratitude for the trees. <laughs> it's beautiful. What's yeah. your favorite tree? Oh. Well, I've always been particularly drawn to Japanese maples. Oh, those are beautiful. We had those growing up. Really pretty. And there's a tree down here in Southern California 
that is blooming this gorgeous purple color right now. Ooh. And I don't know how to properly pronounce the, the name of the tree. I'm working on that. Um, <laughs> but it starts with a J. Um, they, they are otherworldly. They're, they just look like a fairy has stepped on every leaf and turned it into a blossoming purple flower. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I know. Hmm. Love it. What's your favorite? Ooh. Lodgepole pines. It reminds me of when I lived in Montana. And they're just so tall and sturdy and just everywhere in the mountains, northern Rocky Mountains of Montana. And I just love the clear rivers there and you can see to like the substrate of the rivers and they're growing all over like the riparian areas around the rivers in Montana are so beautiful and I did a lot of work in my undergrad um, symposium classes on this invasive species called Eleagnus angustifolia the Russian olive tree and how it was out competing willows and everything but it was just such a beautiful area that even though they weren't considered native. It was still like contributing to that. So really, I just I love pretty much just love Montana. <laughs> yeah. They have birchwood in Montana. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I grew up with a lot of birchwood in Wisconsin, and mm -hmm. those trees are really special too. Yeah. All trees, we love them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're all my favorite trees. I know. So hard. Beautiful. Well, I look forward to our next episode and topic. We'll, we'll announce it soon. Yes, I'm super excited. Yay. Thank you so much for Thank you. having this conversation and honoring the trees. Thank you, trees, for giving us so much. Bodhi's honoring them, too, through whining right next to me. Oh, so we, we love trees. <laughs> oh. All right. Okay. Bless well, everyone. Yes. Namaste, everyone. Namaste. Sister Wives of Hillman, out. <laughs>